Welcome one and welcome all to the Game of Owns Halloween special. Spooky. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, I consider starting out today's episode with my best old Nan voice. Mm-hmm. I haven't practiced it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll come out sometime during this episode for lucky. I'm going to play for you all the music that Hannah chose for our Instagram story calling Owns for this episode. You probably already heard it because we considered using it as the intro music. Let's go. That's right. Oh, okay. Um, what did you think about Aria Four: Storm of Swords? How fun is it to be back in yep. the main text? Mm-hmm. So much fun to be in the main text. And a Storm of Swords feels like ten billion years ago. So but it's actually in the future of everything else we've been reading. I know, I know. It's just it's been so long since we've been on the podcast and like in the meat of it all. So mm-hmm. I was having a lot of fun revisiting. What feels like old pals. I thought that this chapter was so atmospheric. What a great choice on your end. Thank you for giving us these I'm great Halloween it, I'm vibes. I'm glad it gave us. It's just all from memory. I'm glad it delivered. <laughs> because, you know, we're going to talk about the ghost of High Heart, but I felt like. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play it at the uh, behind the entire episode. Um I know the ghost of high heart is kind of the theme and the subject matter for today's episode, mm-hmm. but the whole, the search for Barrack and how many people have been talking about him and the ways that he's died and just the that description cool. of they're in this tree that's above the ground. That was awesome. It was so Child fantasy there for me. Great. I wish I grew up with something like that. Seriously. It felt like Final Fantasy energy. It was like, for me, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm -hmm. You haven't watched that yet, but you need to. Um, When the people of Nottingham, they go into the woods to hide from Mm. the sheriff and all of his taxation. They build this, like, community in the trees, and there's a rope and pulley system, and they, like... They uh, travel quickly from the top of tree branches mm-hmm. to, one, uh, to each other. It's it's really isn't that every too. kid's dream to have a tree house? It yeah, was a thousand percent a, mine. But a tree house with all that functionality. Yeah, too. no, no, one that works. And yeah. it's so cool that all these adults came together to make it and for it to be that useful. I also love that among all the misdirection that you're describing, we're further misdirected by feeling like a child the whole time. You mm-hmm. feel like a child with the amount of perspective that you're able. To, to get through Arya's perspective, mm-hmm. not only what she's able to comprehend, but what everyone's willing to share with you. Mm-hmm. And her, what she's worried about. That too, and biting him the lip. Mm-hmm. She's worried about her mom, what her mom's going to think about her. She's worried about what Sansa would and wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So it's like on top of people treating her like that, she also is viewing everything from this just super young perspective. Simple. Which you feels haven't like had that Halloween. in a long time. Yeah, it really it's does. Like if you believe in ghost stories, like if you watch the Blair Witch Project again, I was thinking about when I, I just recently rewatched it, and I watched it when I was a kid, and I, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But watching it now, without that limitation of perspective, it was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit more forgiving on the people in it as well as I'm older. When I was younger, I was like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. There was a moment though when Arya is there on the hill and. It's really windy outside, oh, yeah. and she wakes up. Mm-hmm. It gave it, it made me think of that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, it did. Hmm. Well, I really liked how she woke up and they were meeting with her. Mm-hmm. So it was. It's further scary and more of uh, impressing upon us that limitation of a 
the child's perspective, that she wasn't let in on any of the discussion. She didn't know that they were going to be calling for this lady to meet with her. It's like she woke up in the middle of the night and heard her parents talking about mm-hmm. something serious Completely. or heard something in the next room, which gave it an even more ethereal vibe. And again, you said this was like going back in time. Um, yeah. And this chapter was less mysterious to me mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. and was less spooky to me now. Okay. With... Uh, having gone through these books chapter by chapter and especially now having gone through the the stories about blood raven with duncan egg and really thinking about his abilities and the, the the way that this magic might work through more of those perspectives which i think is what we're supposed to be doing ingesting all of this content and with asos being published before them we were supposed to feel like it was mysterious now. And with it being prophecies that the stories that she told us, the imagery that she gave us to tell us about things that would happen, having been analyzed to death now at this point, it made it feel more simple Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Which is fun because it's cool to look back at it now with the knowledge of, like I said, all that perspective through the story. And it's, I, I like that, the goal of what seemed like the author's goal um, was pulled off by having all this supporting material in the uh, the collected universe. And so I'm excited to see things like how the Duncan Egg TV show will take content that we haven't seen written down yet. Like we saw them doing Hot D a little bit and further explain some of the things that are mysterious while we're between books five and six being published. So books five and six from the older series are going to feel years in advance of uh, messing with our heads Mm -hmm. as a Storm of Swords or a Feast for Crows or a Dance of Dragons. And it's going to be benefited from also being weather tested by all of the supporting content having come out as well. So we're not just reading through the books chronologically we're reading through the books we're watching an entire tv series where some other people try to finish the show try to wrap up the story in their own way and we're reading all the supporting content i might have already said that and we get hot d which again goes further into things like how the targaryen prophecy might have been canon and the dagger and stuff like that which is so cool to me so I'm wondering what our new Ghost of High Heart's going to be in Winds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have this like picture in my head, this this feeling, this coldness, this uh, like like a like a prologue, like the really the start of a Game of Thrones, trying to figure out the woods that we're in. It's really dark, and there's moonlight, and there's a little bit of light shining off of the tree roots, off the dead leaves. And I think that inside of that is going to be, like I said, more than we've gotten before. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Really, really excited. Well, I feel like so much of the story, especially here in A Storm of Swords, but so much of the story of A Song of Ice and Fire is pushing the narrative forward through prophecy and pushing the narrative forward through magic that may or may not exist, that may or may not actually be magic. Mm -hmm. And we got kind of a taste of that when um, Gendry is talking about Thoros's flaming sword oh, yeah. and the mechanics of it and kind yeah. of peeling back some of the I thought it was interesting to have that in, in the, the same, same chapter, chapter yeah. because the ghost of high heart we get um, the first prophecy that Arya hears 
Um, and I've been th- I was thinking about you reading this for the first time because you read this for the first time on the show, mm-hmm. not knowing what was going to happen next and having the Getting ability. Because it was uh, doing the Unsullied dichotomy back then. Yeah. So it was like some everyone in the fandom knew. A lot of people sitting in knowns knew, but they also didn't spoil me. Right. And so it was uh, interesting. Yeah. To you read. had time to chew on this. What I, that's what I was trying to set up earlier is mm-hmm. that this shit was like confounding to mm-hmm. me years ago mm-hmm. i was very confused mm-hmm. seaweed hanging from a crow's wing it was something that you know like when you're reading a word you don't even like want to read the end of it to finish right. it it was like that <laughs> yeah. trying to understand these prophecies sure. but now it's like ah i know these words mm-hmm. i understand what is trying to be said here but at this point like for example the catlin stuff that i'm sure you're about to talk about hasn't happened yet right the other prophecies that we get later in the book the when we Euron come back stuff the Euron guess... stuff so Balon, Renly, yeah. Renly had happened, but right. which was which is neat. But when we go back to visit her later in this book in Arya seven or eight, um, there's uh, the red wedding is basically teased too. Right, so, right. Cool. I just think it was a cool opportunity. We had to like chew on that for a while. Yeah. Or most of us are speeding through it, you know. Well, imagine trying to guess it. But mm-hmm. now that I read it, I'm like, oh, Duh. <laughs> a, a, a woman that was a fish. Uh-huh. But you wouldn't assume that it was Catelyn. But also, if you look for context. Like you're just talking about how maybe we'll be questioning whether or not her abilities are real. And then there's all the talk of Thoros and using wildfire on bad swords. If you look at, there's a lot of Catelyn talk. Mm -hmm. So you could take that out of, you could take that out of this chapter as well. Right. She's a Tully and there's all this Tully talk. There's the floppy fish reference. There's a fit. The fish is literally being referenced. So the answer is there, I think, swirling around in a circle. It's definitely there if you're able to be mindful enough to pay attention to it. But there's this weird spell that's cast on you when you're reading stuff for the first time or with me being like 23 years old, (laughs) like, oh, I I totally get this, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. But the answer is there if you just pay attention. It's hard not to chase the vibes of this chapter, though, and look at the and feel the mystery of this old woman who has a gnarled cane and she's got red eyes and her skin is milk white. Whiter than her white hair. You know, Arya wakes, we're introduced to her. Arya's woken up. I want to read this a little bit because um, I just felt like the description of High Heart and how Arya then meets this woman is really, really great. So, um, start the next day, like do the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs if everybody is cool with that. The next day, they rode to a place called High Heart, a hill so lofty that from atop it, Arya felt as though she could see half the world. Around its brow stood a ring with a ring of huge pale stumps, all that remained of a circle of a once mighty weirwood. Arya and Gendry walked around the hill to count them. There were 31, some so wide that she could have used them for a bed. High Heart had been sacred to the children of the forest, Tom Sevenstrings told her, and some of their magic lingered there still. No harm can ever come to those who sleep there, the singer said. Arya thought that this must be true. The hill was so high and the surrounding land so flat that no enemy could approach unseen. The small folk hereabouts shunned the place, Tom told her. It was said to be haunted by the ghosts of the children of the forest who had died there when the Andal king named Ereg the Kinslayer had cut down their grove. Arya knew about the children of the forest and about the Andals too, but ghosts did not frighten her. She used to hide in the crypts of Winterfell when she was little and play games of come into my castle and monsters and maidens amongst the stone kings on their thrones. Yet, even so, the hair on the back of her neck stood up that night. She had been asleep, but the storm woke her. The wind pulled the coverlet right off her and sent it swirling into the bushes. When she went after it, she heard voices. 
Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> it just felt, it was such a great setup. Um, Swirling into the bushes, mm-hmm. and it had to be a cover let. That's what I was thinking about. Um, What's that movie called that we were talking about? The Blair Witch Project, when they're in the tent. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, like, and there's voices, there's voices, and the tent is shaking. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> there's an old woman outside, maybe. We're not so sure. And so, her, 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 like, a wind, the way, the thing that activated her overhearing this whole thing was having the bravery and the annoyance to mm-hmm. chase the cover mm-hmm. into the bushes. And she was and scared. To not be scared. Well, she never gets scared. And to not be scared. She was scared, but not scared enough not to go chase it. Sure. It was it was great. It was great. Arya trying to be Arya. She's like nothing scares me, but she can't help but the fact that her hair is standing up on the back of her neck. Should we keep reading this? I think so. I think you should read the next chapter. It's so good. Excuse me. The next paragraph. Yeah, read, okay, let me skip on to the next chapter. <laughs> Just read Daenerys the whole... <laughs> five. <laughs> the next paragraph. Beside the embers of their campfire, she saw Tom, Lim, and Greenbeard talking to a tiny little woman. A foot shorter than Arya and older than old Nan, all stooped and wrinkled and leaning on a gnarled black cane. Her white hair was so long, it came almost to the ground. When the wind gusted, it blew about her head in a fine cloud. Her flesh was whiter, the color of milk, and it seemed to Arya that her eyes were red, though it was hard to tell from the bushes. The old god stir and will not let me sleep, she heard the woman say. I'm not going to do the prophecies in the voice. I want you guys to hear it for real. I dreamt I saw a shadow with a burning heart butchering a golden stag. I, we know about that. I dreamt of a man without a face waiting on a bridge that swayed and swung. These words used to haunt me. On his shoulder perched a drowned crow with seaweed hanging from his wings. I dreamt of a roaring river and a woman that was a fish. Varys? Dead she drifted with red tears on her cheeks, but when her eyes did open, oh, I woke from the terror. All this I dreamt and more. Do you have gifts for me to pay for my dreams? The next dreams grumbled Lem 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 Lemon Cloak. What good are dreams? Fish woman and drowned crows. I had a dream myself last night. I was kiss- kissing this tavern wench I used to know. Are you gonna pay me for that, old woman? <laughs> what a comeback though. She was like, That woman she's dead now. Mm-hmm, yeah. But that's what like uh, Miss Cleo would say if you call her on the line. Right. She'd be like uh, she'd have an answer directly to the thing that you said. So you think it's real? Well, what I, did you want to talk about? Let's cut to the chase, I guess, whatever that means to you. But I think that the thing that stands out to me the most that I want to talk about is, A, the description of her and how that may be similar to a werewood tree or blood raven or the speculation of her being connected to the children of the forest, whether she is one or just simply because of the proximity of where she is now and how all of those ancient ties give her this power that works is true so from like i was saying earlier from what we read over the past month in duncan egg and from reading this now i'm starting to feel more sure about how stuff works like i said i think t wow is going to throw it into a, a tailspin but i think right now i'm feeling more confident and less scared about it. Spill us the secrets, please. I well, let's read this this snippet from Bran three in A Dance with Dragons. This is Blood Raven himself telling Bran about the children of the forest. And so, whether or not she is a child of the forest, I don't know if it really matters. But it's interesting to know, and that might have something to do with the functionality of the place or 
if we know that they are surviving still this far away from a place that's as protected as beyond the wall or maybe they're with the reeds hidden in the swamps who knows this is from brand three those you call the children of the forest have eyes as golden as the sun but once in a great while one is born amongst them with eyes as red as blood or green as the moss on a tree in the heart of a forest sorry or green as the moss on a tree in the heart of the forest by these signs do the gods mark those they have chosen to receive the gift the chosen ones are not robust and their quick years upon the earth are few for every song must have its balance but once inside the wood they linger long indeed what do you make of that i mean similarity in the looks similarity in the descriptions i i kind of agree with you well, I mean, I actually I don't know how I feel. Like, how much does it matter if she actually is a child of the forest or like descent, di- a direct descendant of that line? I know that they're really tied into prophecy giving and seeing things. And so maybe that adds credence to her abilities. But we already know that they're true because the first line in the prophecy she gives here, we've already seen happen. And so as a reader, we're supposed to assume that this is correct because the first line is true so and we know blood raven is still alive mm-hmm. whether or not he has magical abilities that are outside of eating plants or something we know that he's still alive and so there's something weird happening there we know that she's still alive and there's something weird happening there because these are two really old people blood raven seemingly being a little bit older or a lot of bit older but i really don't know her whole history so it's hard to, to nail it down and uh we have met leaf with brain. We, have, we, we know have. that there are different kinds of humanoids. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe she could potentially draw her power from where she is because we spend a lot of time and by a lot of time, I mean two paragraphs worth describing the area and how it's haunted by children of the forest and how many of them died here and they were full of magic. So 31 is a lot. Where of where was that mm-hmm. one, in one place? Exactly. So even if a grove of where was even if she herself isn't like a direct descendant or bloodly related to mm. these people then potentially having the ability to tap into or draw upon the magic that is. But I mean, I guess you would have to have that lineage to be able to maybe. utilize that power. Maybe, maybe. That, that's what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is I don't know if it matters if you are of a certain type of person mm-hmm that maybe this ability manifests itself in people because blood raven's not right uh the size of someone that would be a child of the forest or bran exactly but he does have red eyes bran doesn't have red eyes though so we're gonna have to look into that a little bit further (laughs) i mean but he might have just been having uh, an effect put upon him i'm not sure see that that's where it gets weird because is his ability natural like we think maybe Euron might be similar to Bran mm-hmm. in that they're maybe both chosen by Brendan Rivers. But it seems like Blood Raven was marked by the gods like he is describing to Bran. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this person was also marked by the gods. If we're to say that something as simple as having red eyes and having a penchant for werewoods <laughs> makes you among the same kind of people. Yeah. I think that we can safely assume, at least at this point, let's just say for the sake of the conversation that they're similar. They're not, if she is a child of the forest or if she's just a dwarf like Tyrion, I think that the gift is outside of that. What if her? What if Bran's eyes someday turn red 
And that's like the sign of... <laughs> well, they will the second he bonds yeah. with the tree. He's enough werewood paste. His yeah, eyes that's turn true. Red. But, you know, that's like the the signal that you've completed your... You're act- activated now? <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um. So maybe she wasn't always that way kind of thing. Cause we, right. Well, we, we know that... Go on. Well, I was going to say we hear a little bit about her... A little bit about her history. If we're to believe it's the same person, I think it is, though. I, I think she mentioned Summerhall. Yeah, yeah, that she was besties or close with Jenny of, of Oldstones, and so that they were either that she was Jenny's witch or someone that it seemed to me like she like ingratiated herself to Jenny by saying a lot of really cool stuff, mm-hmm. and Jenny was. Someone that was also of that similar ilk, but once she caught the favor of Duncan Targaryen, she now has the ability to spread wealth and to travel with people and to have someone that's like in her company. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe this person, sort of like a Miriam Mazdur, but that was for survival, but similar to that, is is uh, retaining this position with royal people that have resources mm-hmm. by having the ability to at least sound like you're a prophet of right. some kind right but maybe but we are saying that she naturally has that ability so either she did or she fancied herself someone like that and then stumbled into the path of actually being that person willed herself Will, into but like maybe not it maybe it's not a good thing like maybe it's better being like a pre- being a pretender <laughs> yeah maybe it's better being a pretender and now she pretended her whole life and the gods are putting her in this position where she every time she goes to sleep she has nightmares about things that are going going to happen and she can't die because she's too scared to mm-hmm. and she's using the technology of the emanating power of the werewoods as uh, her way to continue continue to linger on this earth. It's like her figuring it out is her own demise, but her own demise won't come. Instead, she's suffering upon the surface of the earth, or she had the ability the whole time. And she was given this um, path, like given this vision to take a place amongst all these werewoods so that she wouldn't die. There's that possibility, too. But it seems like that's the same thing that Brendan Rivers did. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he originally went to the tree and uh, brought the raven's teeth up north and and started this long quest just to live forever. Maybe he was trying to harness the werewood tree to see uh, north of the wall to see what he could do with it, whether it be some kind of weapon or some kind of ability to defend, or maybe it was just scholarly curiosity to see what was possible um it's although it does seem now that he has he is living there because i think if he left he would die right so maybe it's the same thing with with her with her too and i was gonna that kind of leads me into another question i wanted to ask you when you're talking about wielding this power or using it um i was just thinking about specifically her and then if we're going to compare her to, to blood raven using her power as pure prophecy because it's like spilling out of her. And like you said, she's having these nightmares. It's, it's happening. She gives them, or is she harnessing this power and using it to manipulate or control or to her advantage or like you're talking about with blood Raven, like how to harness the power and what it could get you versus is this just an old lady who happens to be in close proximity to the werewoods and it's kind of spilling out of her. Um, I think it's on purpose for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that she would be dead if she wasn't here. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that Blood Raven probably didn't have to bond with the tree as literally as he is in the current story um, until it became too late because he's been there longer. He's mm-hmm. older. And maybe the longer that you are alive, the more time you need to be around the trees and then the more serious that the need of its power to keep you alive is the more closely you have to bond yourself with right. it. So maybe she eventually will have to crawl inside of a tree stump. Yeah, to stay that... alive. Like maybe she's not old enough yet. Maybe she, maybe she's just she's able to enjoy the benefits by not by just being there. Or maybe High Heart has more collective energy than the Great Tree North of the Wall. But mm-hmm. I don't think so. It seems I like mean, that's the Great Weirwood Tree. But it's enough to keep the regulars away. They don't like being there. Because they feel weird, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and there's no, like, other resources there. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I I guess the superstition is part of the reason. Maybe there's something deeper. Maybe the old gods, I mean, when she says the old gods are still here, I think that that's what it is, that this this ancient um, vegetation, basically, um, that has some kind of power emanating from it um, is just considered the old gods. But if we're living in a sci-fi fantasy world, or a, a universe, maybe that's the way that this world evolved life, you know? And maybe it's something that we can't understand. I mean, obviously we can't understand it. And obviously they can't understand it either because they're still smithing swords to fight each other for <laughs> for land and yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, it's we know that George likes sci-fi too. And that a lot of the other stuff that he writes mixes in direct sci-fi into a different genre, something like Armageddon Rag. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that's got to be what it is. That, But I don't know if it, if if it's going to involve the same level of sci-fi as having literal gods bless a place or something. I think mm-hmm. it's more likely that the planet grew into this function and that the plants grew into this function and it's similar to what was beneath Val- Valyria in a different way or what's in Sithurios. Or whatever they're able to ex- excavate into harness in a shy. So everything is connected in the same way, or are they different? Well, if powers or gods or if uh, energies, if the children of the forest are an older breed of people, and they are more likely to to manifest this green side ability, and that green side ability is somehow connected to vegetation as well. But an older breed, or sorry, a newer breed of people can still have a trace or a whisper of that ability also. Um, We're talking about it being something that's constant in the world rather than it being something that's directly related to the coolness of what kind of person you are. So if it's a constant in the world, that means that it could be a constant in the world that manifests all over the world. Just like fruit itself is... has all these substrates of nutrition that we put in our bodies or like different animals that we eat. We're still getting protein, complex fatty amino acids. And so if the energy or the air quotes magic that we always talk about is present inside of planetos itself, it would make sense that it would come out in all sorts of ways. Maybe it would imbue itself in a gemstone. Maybe it would be in a lava formation that dragons come out of or weird fireworms come out of, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just has, like, a different expression. But, like, at the heart of all of it, I think that that's probably what's going on here is that there's just a, another source emanating, a different one than we ha- when we have on our planet. You know, like, our gemstones, as much as people want to charge them in the sun, don't have any clear magical function in this mm-hmm. world. But mm-hmm. 
in Planetos, it just might be a thing. It just might be a thing. Even though something like Valyrian Steel doesn't seem to like, seem to actually have magic, it all it is basically an alloy that is really strong and tempered and crafted in a certain way. I think it's a really complicated folding of, of obsidian in it is what it is, and that makes it potentially strong against the White Walkers and potentially more resistant to dragon fire, or maybe you need dragon fire to heat up the the smithing process to a certain level enough to be able to actually create it, and that's what makes it rare. But it's not necessarily magic that makes it rare. Although you could argue that if dragon fire is necessary, that's pretty magical. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but the tree stuff is different than that. It's not fo- forging of alloy. It's this old person is too old to be alive, and if she stays here, she stays alive really long. And Blood Raven is this old person is too old to be alive, but if he's bonded with this tree, he's gonna stay alive. That's outside of all the pro- astral projection or prophesizing that they're doing, right? Yeah, so I don't know if it matters who you are. I think that it makes it more likely if it's in your DNA or something. But maybe it just manifests because it's written into the DNA of the actual planet itself. It'll be interesting to see what and who and how Bran becomes what he will eventually become from the book's perspective. Because I feel I feel like it'll be really neat to understand better how Blood Raven came to be who he is. Especially as we're reading through Dunkin' Egg, we're getting his life story as a normal guy with all of the mystery or surrounding him who then becomes this tree thing. And so what may happen to Bran as he goes through some sort of process like that, like a character we know pretty intimately mm-hmm. and understanding the process and then being able to say, okay, well the ghost of high heart is just some old lady who is, is accidentally tapped into It'd be so funny after all that ranting yeah. it's like, yeah, she's actually <laughs> no. totally random yeah but i don't think that that is i don't think that that dismisses her dismiss importance or her importance yeah because she's prophecies seem real yeah and so yeah. i think that it's just kind of goes into what you're saying is like different opportunities to wield power based on different circumstances or different abilities or that, needs or, needs or mm. circumstances or the person that you're speaking with or talking to so I'm looking forward and hopefully I assume we will get some more of those mechanics just purely based off the narrative. Um, I think so too. And so. But it seems like she's just trying to stay alive. And listen to good songs. And y- like. Yeah, that's a little bit of the flavor she gets. <laughs> like <laughs> hope that people pass through so she can have a conversation with them. Right. She can't leave, but. But they talked to it. I can't remember where I was reading this, but she's from, she's from there. She leaves to go travel around and then Mm -hmm. she's like compelled back and so oh yeah i left that out i wonder if Mm. she always knew or if she just needed to be there you know like there was an energy before she really was able to harness some of this prophecy telling and before she was when she was with jenny of old stones they were just playing witchcraft a little as young girls often do (laughs) but she was drawn back to the power like it called to her um like in parts of the Caribbean, <laughs> the, the curse, coin? yeah. <laughs> like, um, I wonder what would trigger it. I don't know, but but like she held a Valyrian steel sword and mm-hmm. something. Sure. Or she saw a werewolf somewhere far away. Right, and it was like this pounding in her chest. Or she always knew, 
the whole time and and she went she was like finally i can come back Mm -hmm. like to to her so i don't know but um i guess after the grief of summerhall though and losing her friend yeah she probably loved jenny and with that happening so sourly and escaping with her life barristan says to danny that she thought she died there um maybe that's the only place that you could go maybe that was the the aztec gold the grief that Mm -hmm. triggered inside of her Mm -hmm. right compelling you back to familiarity or like just there being a deeper meaning in life yeah dedicating the rest of her her life to to that instead of traveling around and singing and stuff Mm -hmm. i wonder how many people venture up there though you know it's probably got to be a lot if you know that she's there if you're not too scared why not because just the way that the they talked about how the small folk avoided her mm-hmm. and so i wonder how often people tr- use her for because you know you think about a king you should be the same Seeking for the counsel. same the, yeah there. i mean <laughs> for the same reason why like stannis has melisandre on his side mm-hmm. you know if there's this higher power that has this information to foresee the future even if i can't always dissect it or i don't always understand what it's saying mm-hmm. somebody give me the cliff notes about what's coming down the road so i can prepare for it in robin hood prince of thieves uh sheriff of nottingham who's played by uh, the same actor as professor severus r.i.p um and he's great in that role uh has a crone inside the castle oh nice that he gets, uh, and she thinks he's really handsome mm, <laughs> oh, even better it's a little bit of like the burgeoning 90s 2000s like self-awareness mm-hmm. and things especially in fantasy and she's got all sorts of baubles and potions and dead man's toes and those are the, the again you don't even know you don't know if it's real or not in there she could just be really smart and she does the uh the soothsaying the prophesizing but she does uh she does uh prophesize that robin's friend azim is coming with them so maybe she does have a little bit of abilities played by morgan freeman but how much of it is pretty good that's always the question with prophecy is how much of it is true i'm trying to break it down and how much of it (laughs) is being willed into existence because your prophecy was vague enough. These are pretty specific. Mm-hmm. But you think about like Professor Trelawney's prophecies. It of, will happen tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know some of those are real. And we also know some of those are absurdly out of left field. But some of the girlies think they're true because you said that someone was going to leave us. And Were you scared your rabbit was going to die? How old was he? Well, he had just been born. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> clearly, I was scared of it because uh, it happened. There's always that underlying question. Confirmation when it, bias. Yeah, when it comes to this kind of thing of how much are you attempting to fit this into your narrative? But I just think that GRM has done so much scaffolding and real work in this for it all to make sense. And that's why it's so popular is because it, it, it's not randomly slapped together. It's good. It's really good and well thought out. So I think that there's not science, but I think that there's um, logic behind it. That makes sense. Well, that's why I was saying at the beginning of our discussion, the whole sword thing, I felt like it was a really interesting piece to have put in this chapter specifically because we hear about Thoros's flaming sword that is legendary and that apparently gives him all these extra powers that people believe to yeah, be setting people on fire well yeah <laughs> but that allow him to be this like godly creature because mm-hmm. he has this symbol and we get such a 
basic breakdown of it's not even good steel. He uses He's the like, cheapest my, my stuff. My master was the guy that gave him the swords. <laughs> yeah. I was there. The cheapest stuff because it burns better. He shows or, up hungover. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, George does this all the time, but just showing mm. the mechanic. But that doesn't make it less real because but, the right. effect that the sword has is exactly what you want it to be, mm-hmm. which is defeat your enemies and be this symbol of strength and power Mm -hmm. and so but john's sword might really burn well i know and that's what's cool i think it's cool that's what's gonna be but but there's so much fake shit and then john's sword might really burn this imitation of the real thing until it becomes the actual real thing Mm -hmm. um i just got (laughs) excited cool right (laughs) what's cool is that this was written so long ago we've had like I don't know, like two decades. So this the, this author has gotten two decades to get better at doing this. I know. To get better at it. It wasn't all spit out really fast in the 2000s, one by one by one, trying to get on par with the movie. And it wasn't spit out trying to get on par with the TV series either. So like this, that we have time to let this cook and to get better. That's why when I'm thinking about The Winds of Winter, I'm just like, dude, mm-hmm. it's so dark and windy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how... We're going to continue to play on this same theme, though, of this will they, won't they with magic. But I'm intrigued by Marwin, and I'm intrigued by Marwin's ability to potentially leave Old Town and to make it to Daenerys, see what happens there. Um, the glass candles are another one of those things where I don't want to finish the sentence because it's so damn confusing. Mm-hmm. But something like the Palantir and Lord of the Rings, potentially, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But having to the need to light it and everything, just further mixing the whole bag up together and... Also, this uh, prophecy from the chapter today, everyone agrees that it's about Balon Greyjoy, the one about the, the swing, bridge. the swinging bridge and the, the seaweed and the crow. But I feel like we're ignoring the fact that it's a crow that the seaweed's hanging off of because the crow immediately connects me to Bloodraven. Mm. And so I think everyone's suspicions about Euron and Bloodraven have got to have some credence to it. Mm-hmm. And okay. we haven't even cracked the surface of that yet. We read The Forsaken like three or four years ago, uh, which is a sample chapter that um, George read at Balticon that's going to be a chapter in The Winds of Winter, um, going deeper into Euron's perceived magical ability world of madness but still it's not as clear as a shadow baby stabbing Renly Baratheon but my suspicions are there and they're not taken away we also considered reading the house of the undying for this episode I'm really glad that we did Arya 4 a storm of swords because I think it really helps me understand more of the blood raven stuff we've been reading and I'm excited to get back into Duncan egg so we can add the ghost of high heart on top of that before we read more about him but the House of the Undying as well, and really anything in Karth that seemingly was more than there was more to the eye, like the the, the Pyromancers, um, gives me a lot of pause too. So I think we're going to need to, and everyone listening, I think if you're interested in trying to figure out what kind of vibe is coming in the Winds of Winter, think about your reading of these five books and think about the things that confused you or puzzled you or are still sticking in your mind and go back with fresh eyes and see how you feel. I think you might be able to guess a little bit of what's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just been such a long time. I have not read this chapter for eight years, you know, what I mean? like mm-hmm. a long time. And so, like you said, coming back with a fresh perspective with more information, just from like years of discussion about it instead of, 
you know, reading it for the first or second time. Alone and not talking about it with mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah, I feel like it's an interesting... Um, and at speed with all these other chapters too. Complete. That's what I'm saying. Why I was saying earlier about you having the opportunity to kind of chew on this prophecy without immediately... Because we get another prophecy by her in like... 20 chapters, mm-hmm. more chapters down the road. So that's like a year later for you. So, <laughs> so much time to like chew on what that could have potentially meant for the rest of the series. But I, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Not su- maybe surprise isn't the right word. I knew it was going to be good, but I just felt like the atmosphere of this chapter. You're like skeptical. Am I going to be interested in this? Well, no, not necessarily, but sometimes when you're jumping back into this story, things feel, um, you feel out of out of place because it's been so long, you know? Mm-hmm. But this was a very easy one to slide right back into. And this chapter was really good. I loved all the stuff with Lady Smallwood. Definitely seems like she knows who Arya is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, again, I love the limited perspective coming from Arya's point of view. It's such a nice um, mix-up of the the narrative when you're reading the story at speed because then you go to someone like Daenerys who notices mostly everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catelyn, etc. So this is really neat and makes the traveling process a little bit more mysterious because the who knows what is even worse when it's just through Arya's point of view. Lady Smallwood at Acorn Hall meets other characters in our story, obviously knows more than she's giving off here. Right. And for it to be told in this way creates a lot of that mystery book detective crime solving drama that you that I really like and I think people really like when they read books themselves and I love when fantasy books mix in the whodunit aspect and uh, it makes me want to read these books again and we've been talking about it as a plan for the podcast moving forward we know that Winds of Winter is getting closer and we want to do what we've done today with more chapters that are specifically uh, set up like I was describing to make us feel um, excited for the for the winds of winter, but also I think more importantly to give us an idea of what is coming next because there's there's things that are yet to be finished as far as that have been set up, but um, vibes I think that have yet to be finished that we're definitely going to get in the next book and. There's clues written all over these four books, even going as far back uh, as A Game of Thrones. And so that'll be in the future. But um, this gave me like a, a big kick in the ass to mm-hmm. start doing that as soon as possible because this was it was really fun. I completely agree with you. And we only talked about, I mean, we decided when we were reading this chapter, we we're just going to talk about the high level themes of it. Mm-hmm. But I have so many owns of little moments that did not directly relate to the ghost of high heart or any of the Halloween vibes that we were kind of going for today. And so, like you said, it kind of wet my whistle a little of the context clues and the characters and the ideas that are being planted throughout this entire series. And so definitely we'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, Wow. Now we got to do owns. <laughs> I have a couple. You got to do owns even on a Halloween special. Okay? Of course. Um, I have a couple owns that I want to give to. One, just the 
twice we get descriptions of how Barrick has died because they're looking for him. They're trying to find information about where he might be. Oh, so good. And twice we get different people saying that they know exactly how he died. <laughs> and they're two different stories. Yes, which I loved that, yeah, especially awesome. knowing his ability. It's like, oh, well, he was hung. Like, I saw it. it yeah, that's how these, it went. These are firsthand accounts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the other one's like, yeah, the mountain you know, stabbed, stabbed him in the, the eye with a dagger. Like I saw it. And so I thought that was really fun and also very spooky. Um, I loved that. Um, my second own is the tree. Can I read it really quickly? The rope ladders unrolled from the limbs of trees when they're heading up to see the lady of the leaves. I got it saved right here. Of course. Yeah. Read, read it. Hobble the horses and up we go. Said Tom half singing the words. They climbed to a hidden village in the upper branches, a maze of rope walkways and little moss covered houses concealed behind the walls of red and gold. And we're taken to the Lady of the Leaves, a stick-thin, white-haired woman dressed in rough spun. Misdirection. Um, yes, <laughs> I know. Not the Ghost of High Heart, like, damn it. Not the Ghost of High Heart, but um, wow, so cute. Love that. And then my last own I'm going to give to is a conversation that um, Arya is having at Acorn Hall um, with Lady Smallwood. And she, Lady Smallwood kind of takes her in under her wing for the evening and they get her cleaned up and put in these girls' clothes. And she's asking her kind of or they're talking she's talking about her own daughter and how she was sent to Old Town. She'll have outgrown these things by the time she returns to no doubt. Are you fond of dancing, child? My Carolyn's a lovely dancer. She sings beautifully as well. What do you like to do? She scuffed a toe against the rushes. Needlework. Very restful, isn't it? Well, said Arya, not the way I do it. <laughs> um, she talks about how she, I lost Needle. My new one's not good. And in the book, it's so fun with Needle capitalized mm -hmm. because it's Needle. Mm -hmm. I'm not a lady, Arya. I wanted to tell her I'm a wolf. Yeah. And so we talked a lot about this in this chapter, but seeing Arya, A, from the TV show, and B, just from the sample chapters of when like Ari has grown up an incredible amount mm -hmm. since we see her here in a, at the beginning of a storm of swords um i guess it's like at the middle of it but anyway she still has that fire in her and that desperation to kind of be this woman that she ends up growing up to be and so i really really enjoyed being inside her head and kind of seeing things from her her young perspective so yeah me too those are all my owns. <laughs> well, my first one was the same thing that you read. I'm just going to add that three days later, as they rode through a yellow wood, Jack B. Lucky unslug his bow and blew a signal, a different one than before. So he blows a signal for them to drop down the rope ladder. Incredible. To get into the treetops, which is pretty awesome. And in response to um, describing the, the description of how Barrick was killed, um, Jack B. Lucky says, My father got himself good and hanged by Lord Piper's bailiff. My brother Watt got sent to the wall, and the Lannisters killed my other brothers. And I, that's nothing. Also, uh, let's just go right into it. Lord Hoster was hanging outlaws before you were shaving. And that son of his, dot, 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 a man who hates music, can't be trusted, I always say. It's not his music. It's not music he hates, said Lim. It's you, fool. Well, he has no cause. The winch was willing to make a man of him. Is it my fault he drank too much to do to the deed? Lim snorted through his broken nose. Was it you who made a song of it, or some other bloody arse in love with his own voice? I only sang it once, Tom complained. And who's to say that song was about him? Twas a song about a fish, a floppy fish, said Angai, laughing. 
Also, shout out to Gendry for giving Arya grief. When she came downstairs the first time dressed like a girl, he laughed immediately and shot mm-hmm. wine out of his nose. Mm-hmm. And then Harwin clattered him on the ear. Call back, Duncan Egg. Okay. I could read more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it there. We're gonna read your owns now. Thanks for sending him in on such short notice, everyone. Let's go. Let's do Instagram first, shall we? First up, we have M. Jernigan Art, who says, owned the ghost of High Heart for just vibing for a straight century. She's just like me for real. (laughs) (laughs) Riles the Lion, owned to Jenny of Old Stones, the queen who befriended dwarves, witches, and ghosts. Bitchin'. Fire emoji. (laughs) Next over on Twitter, we have at Ghost Chase Killa, owned to the ghost for being a legit prophet. Wow. Ghost Ghost Chase's username is very fitting. It's got three levels of fitting the topic of the episode the holiday and he literally uses the word ghost as part of his own the layers are are weird right now this is exactly what we're supposed to be everyone (laughs) travis cole at straight savage cole welcome back to the own game my own goes to my man serial pharrell getting a shout out in aria's memory quote not today motherfucker and um party blowing the party whistle emoji secondary own to aria's response to that needlework is her favorite thing to do. <laughs> Crying emoji, sword emoji. Same brain, Travis. Also, he says, uh, some questions I had about this chapter that I look forward to hearing discussed. The dreams from the old woman. She's described as an old dwarf by Tom Sevenstrings, though I wonder if she's one of the children of the forest. We wonder too. Hopefully did, we did you justice, Travis. Um, last but not least on Twitter from Eric is not an own, but a disown to D&D for not putting the ghost of high heart in Game of Thrones. The list goes on. Or... <laughs> Lady Stoneheart. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine just add those two things? Give me a bigger, better season five, mm-hmm. for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Add a little extra ambiance. What the hell? It would have been so. That's like 15 minutes in an episode. Come on, guys. Just a little bit. What a weird, weird choice to just throw out some of the neatest mystery from the, the book series. I know. And the opportunity to have Catelyn Stark come back. But that's just the start of it. I was thinking about Arya and Gendry at the end of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. in this chapter. That was this scene. Yeah, I know. From this chapter. I know. I was like, except they didn't. Man, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Brotherhood didn't show up. Right, so right. See what it, what it ended up. <laughs> Good stuff. So those are our own. If you have any other thoughts, any other theories, if we like sparked any sort of ideas also, if you sound really stupid you can tell us that please too. correct us uh, no that's a thing set us straight no i just this is a fun discussion mm-hmm. so send in any of your thoughts that you have even if you miss sending in your own you can do that on twitter or on instagram by searching for game of bones we're getting back to a night of the seven kingdoms slash dunkin egg on our next episode we'll also be getting back to your own so keep sending those in for the sworn sword part five returning from cold note Okay. Happy Halloween. High five. Eat the candy and be safe. S- put light a candle in your pumpkin and be safe. Do, 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 do. Wait, hold on, yeah, hold on. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Eat candy. Bye everybody. 